everybody, St. Paul here. Um, wait till you hear who I've got with me. I've finally got Bernard Allison. He's next on Music on the Run. Ah! Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and like what you're hearing, make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey, everybody. I'm St. Paul Peterson. Prince gave me that nickname, and I've been lucky enough to tour with people like the Steve Miller Band, Kenny Loggins, Peter Frampton, Donny Osmond, to name a few. And when I'm not playing music, I love to run. And this is a podcast about how we stay healthy on the road, physically, mentally, and with our families. Welcome to Music on the Run. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 56, 56, I can't believe it, of Music on the Run. Man, it's finally springtime here in Minneapolis, although it's supposed to snow again mm -hmm. this week, which uh, is always fun. They tease us with the 60 degrees, <laughs> and then they bring back the 30s. So that's what, they, every last April I can remember they do that. A couple of cool things that have happened in the last month. My new record came out in Europe. It's called Break On Free. So those are my friends who are uh, downloading this podcast or watching this on YouTube. If you're over there, you can get it right now. Break on free. They tell me that it's doing pretty good over there, so that's fun. I hope, hopefully, uh, in the fall, we'll be coming over and doing some touring. Uh, lots of interviews going on right now. It's fun to have some new product out. It's been a long time. My next guest has uh, a new record out, too, but we'll get to that. Um, oh, I almost forgot. You're, you're not going to believe this, but I finally have new merch for Music on the Run. Everybody who is a $10 patron of this program will get a shirt. Yeah, I said it right here. I'm mailing it to you, and we love you. Thank you so much for being uh, supportive of us. You know, we can't do this show without you. There's obviously production here. We finally moved out of my basement. I don't have to do a... Uh, Zoom interview today. I got someone in the studio live, which is great. Anyways, you can find this shirt. If you're not a patron, go to uh, www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. Put some skin in the game. If you like what you're listening to, it helps us uh, take care of our people and, uh, you know, provides a little coffee for uh, for the guys and gals putting on this show. We have a new intern with us today by the name of Emily. Emily, welcome to Music on the Run. She's been editing all the Funk Fridays, and she just decided to come on. God bless you to edit the video for this. Those of you who are not patrons, you can still buy this shirt. Go to musicontherunpodcast.com. Davide, that means I actually have to go to the, and update the website and uh, get yep. uh, a getaway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so good about doing that, but you know that. All right, without further ado, my next guest has been making music his entire life long. He's got a brand new record out right now that was number one, right? Yeah, it debuted number one on Billboard. Oh, is that all? The first two weeks. Is that all? So, oh, we're doing pretty good. I I'm can't happy. say that. That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's the first time for me. So, oh, um, Well, we're going to talk about that. Um, he tours constantly here and in Europe. He is 
on Rough Records. I think I got that right. Exactly. Did, uh, he won a 2021 Independent Blues Award, right? For Best Live Record. Right. Uh, our album on Rough Records uh, called Songs from the Road uh, was number one of the year. And, you know, previous to that, I, my studio album, Let It Go, did very well. Um, we debuted at two on Billboard. Wait. But ladies and gentlemen, Bernard <laughs> Alice. <laughs> That's who my guest is. Oh, right. man. Thank, thank you so you, much for Paul. taking the time. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Finally. Well, yeah, you and I haven't met. You've been spending a lot of time in Minneapolis. You live here. Yes. Right? I cannot believe that you and I have not connected. Yes, yeah, Sublime. You know, we're typically dominantly a European touring band. So Got it. I'm pretty much here only in the summertime doing festival dates. Or, you know, I used to play, I pretty much played all the venues from First Avenue years ago with Coco Taylor. Yeah. The famous days, the caboose. And right. I don't get out much when I'm not touring. So, you know, I'm pretty much a homebody and being on the I can road relate all the time. So, but Minneapolis has been awesome to me. And like I say, I had a chance to work with your brother, Ricky. Oh, great. On my Storms of Life album with David Z. So, oh, is that right? The family ties is, and we haven't met, but the ties are definitely there. Well, I'm glad to finally meet you. Likewise. Now we're connected, and now we got to play some music together. But first, right, right, I want to brag about you, man, and <laughs> get to know you a little bit better. What, what better way for us to... Exactly. To get finally meet, but sometimes it, that's what it takes, though, is that you got to either put a gig together or a podcast or something to set aside time because we're all so crazy busy. It's hard to just go, yeah, let's go have a drink. Like you said, I'm a homebody. I'm like, no, nah, I want to go to bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I totally get you. That's it. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the new record. I well, hear the new, about new album is called Highs and Lows, which is, I believe, it's my. 21st album um and we recorded i recorded with mr jim Gaines down in memphis down yeah outside in tennessee okay and um this is my eighth recording with um jim just awesome we have awesome chemistry and the process is very smooth you know yeah Um, you know we do a lot of pre-production prior to heading to him Mm -hmm. so we don't go in and you know, waste time. Right. Uh, lay down the ideas. And this album I wanted to do differently um, than all my previous recordings. So I decided to collaborate every song with my musicians, oh. current as well as some past uh, musicians. And, you know, we kind of split the credit on writing music. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once we started tracking I could see the look in Jim's eyes. He said, there's something about this record. Yeah. And I felt really good about the songs because it kind of looked like took the stress off of me. So opposed to yep. just writing everything, mm. Bernard Allison, Bernard Allison. But my fan base that knows me or my father, it's all a collaboration. And you, you show respect, give respect mm. to the musicians that's backing you on the road because they're not only musicians they're they're my brothers they're my touring family Mm -hmm. on the road so uh every song is written with a different member of the group and it represents bernard allison we go from the bluesy blues to the r&b to the rock and just keep it open and it represents us very well 
It sounds great. When I've been doing my research, and you know, I hear the classic blues in there. I hear your R and B. I hear like some Stones influences, just kind of raw and and just you, man. It's just like here it is. This is what it is. Right. I'm not gonna polish this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. What I really like is I don't try to overproduce anything. I I, I feel blues-related music, where I come from, it's all from the heart and, and the chemistry of the musicians. And you put her, your heads together, you know, and I'm the baby of nine. I'm the baby. And, and ah. you know, so I, I'm in the shadow or have been in the shadow of my father, which is Luther Allison, one of the creators of the blues. So in our household, we didn't only hear blues. Every sister and brother had their genre of music. So I was influenced by George Clinton and the R&Bs, mm. the gospel, the blues, the rock. And my dad said, well, if you're serious about making music as a career, don't play what they expect you to You know, what they're going to expect you to play is to follow suit what my dad did. Right. He said that to you? Yes. And every time I'd, I'd get a song that kind of was funky or something, I'd, I was always skeptical. And he's like, yeah, do it. Do it. You know, you you utilize what you grew up with opposed to what I grew up with or what I became known for. And, and it was the same deal for him. And that's why he moved to Europe um, because they started labeling him Chicago Blues but he, he loved Chuck Berry. He loved yeah. Jimi Hendrix. He, they put him in that box. So the minute he went to Europe, they welcomed him in open arms. And eventually he became bigger than B.B. in Europe. Wow. You know, so it's a pretty interesting story because um, I'm the only one out of the nine that chose music. But, Is that right? But all of my sisters, we grew up in the church. They have fabulous voices. And mm. in fact, on my... Um, Funk If I Know album, during that recording, I lost my grandmother on my mother's side, and I wrote a song called Family Affair. Yeah. So I called the family. I was still living in Paris, and I flew the tapes, got them all, a couple yeah. rehearsals. So they're all on record with me. And from my daughter to my oldest sister, my oldest brothers, they have that for life. That's There's nothing like sharing that with your family. Oh, yeah. Because I just got a chance to do that with my family. We, thank God we get to do that. My whole family is musical, but we're off in many different directions. But we get a chance once a year to come together for Christmas, and we've been doing a Christmas special for 35 years. But recording with them is just like breathing. Right, yeah. It's it nothing is, better. The feeling that you get from it, it you know, it's, it's, it's hard to describe it. Even when I joined my dad's van and my dream growing up was to be like dad and maybe one day be in his van and right. tour with him and once i left coco taylor he hadn't really he had already moved to uh paris that but was was that late 80s then or i actually where, where were we? i moved to paris in 89 i graduated from high school in 83 and so did i Two days ah, later. We're the same age. Yeah, I think I got you by a yeah, little bit. But. Two days later, I get a call from the queen of the blues, Coco Taylor, to join the blues machine. What? Wait, so how the, does that happen? Just the relationship with Coco and the whole, the I, I like to say the creators of the blues. 
um, all my friends, my dad's friends that were at our household in and Give out. me some names. Give, give, give the wow. listeners some names. <laughs> Drop so, a couple names. you got Coco Taylor. You got Otis Rush. You have Tyrone Davis. Oh. You have Johnny and Edgar Winter, Stevie Ray, Jimmy Vaughn. What? The, li- you- the list goes on. Mud- uh, Muddy? I met Muddy, but never at home. Okay. I actually had a chance to... Um, I got invited to be a part of Willie Dixon's All-Star Band. Um, I believe that was like 1984. He chose a lot of younger artists to back him at Chicago Fest. And so the honor is like, I grew up with it. It's in my blood. I just, you know, so blessed and grateful to be able to content, continue the Allison name uh, because I guess. Uh, my dad was the first and only blues artist to record with Motown. Let's um, talk about your pops just for a minute because we can't not talk about Right, him. right. That's where it all started. <laughs> yeah, but and, and, and I do the same with my mom and dad who are great musicians as well. For me, that's where everything stemmed from. Yeah. And is it, tell me, what was it like growing up in your household? Not only your father, but that whole mix of what's going on with your brothers and sisters, you touched on it just a little bit. But you're the youngest like me, and we get all that great music filtered down. But you have a a very famous father at that high level with a lot of celebrities and a lot of great quality musicians coming by. How does... What was that like growing up in that house? It was pretty amazing because I I always heard them on record. And when they start coming visiting my dad at home, I'm like, oh, that voice. I, I know that voice. And that's Albert King, <laughs> you know, or or I can recognize a picture right away. But yeah. it, was, it was pretty mind-blowing. But the, the crazy story, the craziest story for me is my brother and Luther Jr., he's the next youngest. Mm. Johnny and Edgar Winter, the first time they came to our house, it, that blew me away. We'd hide, we'd hide in the closet because we had never seen an albino and white, <laughs> white, all white and pink yeah. eyes. And so the first time my dad said, you. they're coming home, they're come, going to come over. I'm like, yeah. okay. And then we saw them. And after that, every time they'd say they'd come over, me and my brother would hide in the co- closet and, and peek out. Just peek through the yeah. crack and say, there, there they are, you know. But I know, I know the music, but yeah. I'm actually afraid of them. Yeah. You know, and so years later, when I got a chance to, my dad pushed me on stage with Johnny Winters oh when I was gosh. 14. And I'm like, I can't keep up with this guy and let alone being afraid of him, <laughs> you know. Right. Right. But it all turned out our the whole relationship was like family because a lot of those blues creators were family to us and, mm. and good friends with my dad and grew up with my dad. You know, he migrated from Arkansas to Chicago. Okay. Um, being one of 18 uh, and his oldest brother, Ollie Allison, actually taught him how to play guitar. And no one else went professional other than my father. How many in your dad's family? 18. It's <laughs> a busy house, man. Yeah, it was very busy. Um, and it's it was 16 boys and two girls. Uh, your two grandma boys. and grandpa are going straight to heaven. They're in heaven. <laughs> right. they're, they're just, no question about it. That's yeah, a, so I wow. have the Allison family is huge. I have tons of. You know, nieces, nephews, pretty yeah. much all based um, 
around the Chicago area. Uh, I'm the only one that packed up and said, okay, I want to play with dad and what it's going to take is for me to move to Europe. And so I did what they asked me to do. I graduated from school and they okay. said, if you want to do music, but you have to get the education first. So, you know, I, I used to play ball, basketball, and had yeah. scholarships and things. And I was like, nah, I'm not going. No more school for me. I'm going on the road. Was there ever a time in your life where you thought that you would do anything else other than music? No. You knew it from the minute I you knew it. came out. <laughs> and my mom tells me stories of when we were kids, my dad would take us to festivals. I think I couldn't have been no more than five years old at Ann Arbor Blues Fest, which was yeah. one of the biggest in the world. And I would run on stage in and out between my dad's legs. And she's like, that, <laughs> that boy's going to play something. He's going to do something. I don't yeah. know if it's going to be guitar or he's going to do something on that stage. Yeah. So, you know, ever since I was a child, it's just been, you know, a great road for me and lots of experience. So when I get a chance to talk to a lot of the younger upcoming blues artists mm -hmm. and share my story, and I just try to tell them, I say, okay, yeah, back then we didn't have the technology that you have now yeah. with, with reading charts. I can't read music. I can't read a lick. Mm -hmm. I can pretty much play anything I hear. Right. My dad was the same way. And most of those, your blues creators, they're, 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 they were illiterate. Mm. everything was what their heart told them to play right so i try to tell them i say go back where if you like what i do go back and research where i got it from or where did luther allison get his yeah. thing and and go that way opposed to because they have the tendency nowadays to start at a stevie ray Vaughan or eric yeah. clapton Figure where out they where get, they come where from. They, where they get it from. <laughs> and then those yeah. names start to come out. Yeah. There's the buddy guys. There's right. the oldest rushes as, you know, being guitar players. So my vocabulary as far as the blues per se, yeah, it, it's been, it's in my blood, you know, and all my records, I've been, I love funk music, you know, so I'm always. I heard that on there. Come on. They're now. always like, he's funky. It. He's there, a funky blues band. But my big influences were like Prince and, yeah. you know, George Clinton, Parliament, the Barcades, because my older sisters and brothers, they were totally into that. Where I'm sitting down, slowing all my dad's records down on the turntable to pick out the notes. So you would go into school on your dad, intentionally slowing down records to try to learn his lick. Was he oh, not yeah. do, taking the guitar and showing showing you how to do that, or was he too Actually, busy? Paul, he, I played for three years before my dad knew I played. Um, Were you? He was touring extensively okay. in Europe, and I had told my mom, I said, "I'm going to learn it. I don't want him to." know that I'm interested in playing until I learn his, his very first record, note for note. I can't sing at this point, but yeah. I, I can pick out the notes. So he was home, and it was 1979. He came home, Peoria, Illinois, mm -hmm. going to do a live album. Two days on Rumble Records, going to be a live one in here tonight. So I'm like, oh, cool, Dad's home. And every time he would come home, I'd basically unload the vehicle with guitars, yeah. amps, keyboards. I was trying to figure out all these instruments and yeah. how how does this work? So that particular day, 
I, I got up, I'm just doing my normal plan, playing along with that very first record. And his sleeping habits were very odd, you know, being up all night playing. Mm. So he'd sleep through till three o'clock. So this is like maybe noonish. I'm down there playing. And I hear the basement door creak. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm thinking it's my mom or yep. something. And I saw the leg. I'm like, oh, I'm busted. Yeah. And he peeps down, he comes out, he says, so you playing guitar now? And I'm like, yeah. He said, but you just didn't start playing guitar, not playing like that. It's like, that's my very first record. And I thought it was actually the record. Whoa, and what I'm a like, compliment. Yeah, big compliment. So my confidence and my just me, myself, learning it on my own without asking him or without him knowing, he said, okay. If you're playing like that, you come with me tonight. I want you to come and play on this record. And I'm like, nah, I'm not ready to do all yeah, that. Right. He said, yeah, we're yeah. going to bring you in and record. We're going to record you. We'll see what's, you know, what we can keep. And So he, he threw you to the wolves. That's what my, my mom used to call it. Yeah, exactly. She, she put me in situations that I absolutely was not ready for. Right. But... Continue your story. I can't wait to hear what So, happens. okay, he calls me up. I'm in the audience sitting next to my mom, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring my son up to play some guitar. And obviously the crowd is like, oh, his son plays? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he hands me, he's playing a Gibson 335, oh. his BB King model. Oh, sure. And he hands me this guitar, and the guitar is literally bigger than me. The crowd's going crazy. I'm just looking at, the neck of the guitar and yeah. <laughs> kind of cutting my eyes up at him and he counts the song off and I begin to play like those that first album with him to mm-hmm. re-record the song and he's like wow you did it <laughs> and they ended up putting that photo on the back cover of the oh, album Wow! so you see my dad and me at age 12 with this big guitar and I'm playing three tracks on the album and I hear it today and I just laugh because I had no strengths to bend notes. I oh, could just wow. I could just play the note. Yeah. And he's like, you played every note. He said the bending, all that will come, but you you figured out the guitar. I'm like, not really. <laughs> you know, so you, you fake it till you make you it. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. So that's how it all started for me. And but he said, okay, I'll eventually bring you a, I'll give you a guitar where you can learn on. And I said, okay, I want a Stratocaster. So he brings me that. And I I just worked it all through my schooling and did what they asked me to do, which was graduate before folk really giving 110% focusing on being a musician. Right. Um, he but said, he gave you the nod that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did that do for you? Well, like I say, for me, it was always my dream. I said, yeah. well, okay, that's the first step. I just got to follow the lead, you know, and follow the rules. Um, yeah. You know, we come from a very, my mother is very strict on us. And, mm-hmm. uh, so respect your elders, do what you're told, and then you're allowed to do what, what you want to do. Right. But until then, you follow, if you're living under this roof, you're going to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to clean up. Yep. So I couldn't, I tell them all, I said, I wouldn't take anything back 
from you where, I, from where I, I would not change a thing. And if it was today, if I was that same age today, I, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say now at the age you are now to that 12 year old self? What would you say to yourself back then? We're going to take a little break from the interview right now because I want to tell you about a couple of really cool things. First of all, we're having so much fun with our weekly one-minute funk jams called Funk Friday. We've had so many world-class musicians on Funk Friday, including members of the Steve Miller Band, Fleetwood Mac, Daryl Hall and John Oates, Earth, Wind & Fire, just to name a few. You can check that out on all of our social media, but you can also see it on our YouTube channel. I also want to take this opportunity to thank all of our members who have supported us on Patreon. Don't know what Patreon is? Go to www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast and there you'll get all sorts of information on how you can financially help us produce this podcast there are all kinds of incentives listed there on the website and there are many different levels on how you can become involved we could not put on this podcast without our patrons all right let's get back to the interview now at the age you are now to that 12 year old self what would you say to yourself back then? I was like, well, you did, <laughs> you did it. You did. Yeah. That's just the beginning of yeah. it. Um, you've, you've learned, you've, you've picked these notes off of this instrument just from hearing a record. Sure, I, you slowed it down back then. You can slow it down from 78, 33, 45. Right. Right. So I'd slow everything down, then speed it up, which eventually became to my advantage because I learned everything so slow. Hmm. my notes are very clear. Yeah. So I have the speed, I can, the tempo change, I have it all, but with clarity. Yeah. You know, so um, I just tell me, yeah, you did the right thing, and but you you never stop learning. Hmm. You, uh, listen to all genres of music and yeah. take, it's, it's almost like baking your own cake. Yeah, you 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 find your recipes, you know. And being a guitar player is so difficult because everyone has an idol. Oh yeah, you know everybody went through the Stevie Ray phase at yeah. a young age, but for me, I went through the Muddy Waters and Elmore James and the BB Kings, all the Kings, right? First, so I knew all of that. Like by the age fourteen, I could you can play any record and I could pick out their part. You had it bad. You wanted it bad. Didn't oh yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do anything else. So great, <laughs> just to play music. The blues has changed from when your pops was playing and his predecessors. What does the blues? What is the blues now to you? It's still the same for me. My dad always says, and I, I can't remember who initially said it, but it's a good man or a good woman feeling bad. And we all have had the blues at some point. Yeah. <laughs> at some point. There's a high and there's a low in everyone's life, you know. But today, like you say, the music has changed, which which is a good thing because the generations got younger. Now they're a lot younger and you don't... Buddy Guy and Bonnie Raitt, the, the Robert Craze, are probably like your three last 
creators mm-hmm. that's still touring and still living, actually. I come like maybe two generations down from right. that. So I just try to, you know, stay true to my bloodline, stay true to the music, yeah. stay true to my fans. I'm, I'm very open-minded. If I make a mistake, I tell my band, I say, let's talk about it. If that's, yeah. Sure, I'm the leader of the band. I'm Bernard Allison. I don't look at it. We're the Bernard Allison group. We're not the Bernard Allison blues band. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, we never have. You give them ownership in this, meaning uh, they have a stake, a musical, exactly. musical stake. And it's not all about me. Yeah, that's cool. If, if that was the case, I could do acoustic thing and do it by myself that's true but i want that collaboration you know and the band needs that cushion the bass player needs that drummer and we play parts and the older guys where the blues started it wasn't about part playing yeah okay <laughs> so that has that's one of the it's, things that it's like changed. 12 bar blues everybody was pretty much 12 or, or like a john lee hooker we really don't know what the time yeah, exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but basic it, it's the twelve bar blues mm-hmm. where I try to avoid it. Oh, really? Okay. You know, um, I may play one, but I say like my last three or four records, you may hear one twelve bar. Yeah. I'll do a transpose or do something that's not typically known in blues just to show them, okay, let's play a a jazz lick here opposed to doing a, a pentatonic solo. Mm-hmm. So just to, once again, it comes back to how I grew up and the music I was influenced with right. opposed to just the blues. And, you know, a lot of say, oh, he's he's a great blues man, just like his father. I, I appreciate that, but I like to be called a musician. Yeah. You know. Let's talk about this a little bit. Your, your father, again, uh, Luther was an extremely talented, famous man. What, was it difficult to find your voice? Was it pressure living underneath that? Because I've spoken to a lot of musicians with famous fathers. Right. And that's a tough act to follow. Yeah. <laughs> How did you navigate that and ultimately find your own voice? Well, and you hit it right on the nail. When, I, when he got the call... When I graduated and asked me to come to Europe to record an album in 89, he said, okay, well, you're going to, you know, you're coming to Europe and we're going to be recording this, this record in Berlin, blah, blah, blah. He said, but now I want you to really lock in on, on the musicians. He had his own band at the time. Initially, I was just coming to play a couple songs, but he hadn't really heard me play how he hadn't really uh, saw how much I had advanced during my Coco da- okay. Taylor days. So, you know, there was a stint of maybe two years I didn't see my dad. Ah, because you're both going different yeah, directions. Yeah, I was That's, on the road with Coco. He was in Europe doing his thing. Right. So once he realized that first night, he's like, you, you know a lot. And I give all that credit uh from to playing with Coco Taylor, mm. being a rhythm player, be opposed to saying, I want to be the front guy right away, right away. Right. I learned how to back someone and support someone. Yeah. And I think that's what really put me on my path. 
but the, the at the same time, it was very difficult once I did get get in that band, my dad's band, because everybody expected me to be so much like him and the comparisons. Oh, uh, I wasn't Bernard. I was Luther's son. I'm sure you were. You of know, course you were. And I was like, he, he said, see what I mean? I said, do what you do. Don't. Yeah. yeah, you're playing with me, but still. So do your father what was you, talking you through this. Oh yeah, he's talking me through it. You know, and he's like, "Don't do, don't do what they expect you yeah. to do. You have much more to offer than that." What great advice! Yeah, it, it's the greatest thing ever. And you know, when like in even in recording, I, I from day one, yeah, my dad's the greatest guitar player. He's the greatest blues man. Mm-hmm. That's just normal. Mm-hmm. And after the years I played with him, he'd call me. He was a fan of my recordings, my process, my the way I wrote. So his last, I want to say the second from the last album that he ever recorded, Soul Fixing Man for Alligator Records, I basically arranged that whole album for him. And it was my first major tour on my own, my band. And I said, Dad, I can't do the recording. I've I've worked the band. We've rehearsed pre-production. Blase blase. Take this to Memphis and and do a kick-ass record. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And you go out and be Bernard Alice. Yeah. Right now, he say, because now the public is starting to take advantage of both of us. You can make the same money as I make. Ooh. So now the financial directions. Well, isn't that comes nice? into play? Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing know? wrong with that. So I just thought that would be the perfect gift for him from me, you know, for everything he's done as a parent, as a taking care of my mom on the road. Yeah. We understood that's the way he had to take care of his family. And maybe one day I would have to do it. Yeah. So that Whoa. was my gift back to him. Here you go, Dad. And that record put him to the top and he kept going but it what it also did was made people realize that he wasn't just chicago blues because mm. i knew every all all the things he liked of course from yeah. chuck berry to otis redding i said this is what you do stop playing that 12 bar yeah <laughs> wow to be able to give a gift like that from your heart to your family to your father that had to be an incredible thing for him to receive as well. Oh, yeah. He must have been blown away. And Jim Gaines talks about it all the time. He's like, your dad's just looking down on you right now. Like, see, look at my boy. See? <laughs> you know? That's the, that's the so, good stuff, isn't so, it? That's yeah, what this you, is all about. I'm proud to be an Allison. And like, oh, you man, know. I can feel that. All my recordings, I always include a remake of you know, a couple of my dad's songs that I felt that were overlooked on certain albums. You did that on this new record. I do two it of on, them. on air, every Oh, you do it album. on every record? Since but my, you included two on, on yeah, this on new this one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, which ones were they? I did the one from Motown. It's called <laughs> Now You Got It from his uh, second Motown album, Luther's Blues. And the other one is called Gave It All, which originally was done like when he first moved to Europe on a European label. Um, I think the label is called Encore or something like that. But he would send me tapes of all this stuff while I'm in school. 
So I knew all these songs. He would he'd send stuff. I home still to you? have tapes. <laughs> you know, I listened to "Give It All" because I felt when how he originally originally recorded this song, he had a lap steel player. Okay. And I never heard that. I've heard slide guitar, yeah. but the, what is that sound? Yeah. And I said one day I told my mom one day I'm going to do this song, but I'm going to do it my way. And when we my mom heard it, she literally started to cry. She's like. You sound, if you close your eyes, you sound like your dad, but I'm not doing it intentionally. Right. It's just That's because it's you grew just, up listening to him. Yeah. You can't I, help it. I you can't can, help you it, help it. <laughs> you know. But, you know. So, mama's um, alive, obviously. Yes, yes. God, yes. you were so lucky, man. Yeah. And my family has always been my biggest supporter, you know. Um, when it comes to recording, I always run it by her because she has the collection. Mm. She, Mama knows about She has the reels and everything, you <laughs> really? know, early Luther Allison, everything I've done, and yeah. you know, from Tyrone Davis and just tons of music. And I said, Mom, what what should I do? I want to bring back an old classic, like my last album I did, old Brooke Benton song called Kiddio. Yeah. And people were like, are you actually old enough to know this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but I once again, I grew up do with it. Do your research. You do your research, yeah. and, and there's so much music out there for you. There's a lot of great blues music out there right now. There's a lot of young Young, bad musicians. <laughs> Tell me who are the up-and-coming folks that you like. Well, my main guy and I, for me personally, I think he's probably the best guitar player on the planet right now is Eric Gales. I just interviewed him. Yeah. He and I go back 30 years. And I, I actually, his brother, older brother, little Jimmy King, and oh, I are the same yeah. age, who's also a bad guy. He played with Albert King and things like that. But Eric and I became friends, and I brought him up here for my Chills and Thrills album. So he's we're duetting the whole album. I had wrote a couple songs. I said, man, let's do these two songs. And he hadn't even heard the tracks. He just flew in, didn't even bring a guitar or anything, right? <laughs> I thought it he said, like him. He's like, let me play, oh, let me hear the song. So he takes my guitar and just turns it over and says, record, and just ripped it, <laughs> ripped it apart. And he said, no, man, I'm going to play on the whole record. See? I'm like, really? Yeah. But we were, we were grooving so hard for him to play off of me because he kind of comes from similar background with mm -hmm. me, family of music. And yep. it's all about the ear, all about the feel. So he's doing very well right now. Um, Isn't that great to see, though? Because I, we know he's fast. Yeah. And he's the first to admit it, so I'm not saying anything out of Exactly. Out of and um, for him to collaborate with another uh, bad Badass player, Joe, Joe Bonamassa. Yes. Um, for them to link up and do this record, Crown, I'm so proud of both of them. Yeah. Because it allowed him to get out of that Gale's Brothers thing. It's, mm -hmm. He has it, but I think the, and he probably would say it too, he said, Joe helped me create songs and melodies mm -hmm. and took me out of my comfort zone. But for him to say, take you out of his comfort zone, I don't believe it because he already plays outside the box. You play one thing, he, he knows exactly where to put it. 
Now you got Kingfish. Or, or Wasn't even, it great you know, to see him win the Claude, Grammy? He won the Grammys and Cedric Burnside for Traditional Blues, who I also had a chance to collaborate a record called Allison Burnside. Oh, right. Where we tried taking each other out of each other's bag. Oh, right. So we're playing totally things that we're not used to, which came off awesome. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow, yeah. the, the hillside country meets Bernard Allison, you know. Right. So the I think the blues is in great shape. And then you got even younger, like Taz, um, Niedermeyer. Uh, he's more into a fusion and things. It's just a great feeling to see it. And then the women, you got Samantha Fish and Anna Popovich and obviously Shamika Copeland. And there's so many kids of the blues that still actually trying to do their thing. But like I say, being a being a, a guitar player. Oh, we got that mic. Those, there we go. Those, yeah, you're good. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure we can hear you. Yeah, all. it's like I say, I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. And and if anyone asks me questions, I'm gonna tell you the truths and how I how I feel it, yeah. you know. So just the knowledge of the instrument itself and to see um because for me, back in the day. You didn't see any black kids my age that listen to blues. What? Really? Other than myself or Lucky Peterson or the Kenny Neal family or Ronnie Baker Brooks. No, no. That's that's well, music for the old people. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that funny? I, I would have never. <laughs> yeah. So to see this explosion of young black men going back to that root base is, is mind-blowing because it was so many years that you didn't see it. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 not it's not uh, it's not just uh, black men. It's also white men and white women and black women. And it seems like there is a res- I don't know if you want to call it a resurgence because it's really right. never gone anywhere. Exactly. But uh, maybe it's just getting a little bit of uh, uh, better publicity because people are flocking to this stuff. What's beautiful about this for me, um, being a kid who's played black music his entire life, is what happens with this crazy world of ours. And I'm just speaking personally for me. When I to be able to play the music that I love um, is an honor for me to be able to do that. And, and, and we come together in a way as musicians that kind of just. I feel like we are in a bubble where there's no racial weirdness or anything like. I don't know. Right. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. Yeah, but, it, but, yeah. You know, I, I, I feel never... the same way. It, it, it's been years since it happened, but and now it seems like you're seeing more and more, like a rush. But like you say, with the help of a Joe Bonamassa and, and what Stevie Ray Vaughan did, okay, that sets the whole guitar thing. But for Joe Bonamassa to bring people with his into his success hmm. get them recorded properly let right. people put them in front of people that they probably never see uh, that that speaks wonders where the blues is going and and it's like you say it's never going anywhere right it's one of those genres of music that will never go anywhere the public the publicity yeah. of it all yeah. has become really huge like you say and even even today Europe is very strong for blues gospel funk 
Isn't that something? Yeah, because I have <laughs> yeah. a better chance of touring over there than right. I have touring here. <laughs> yeah, and that's where mainstream European tours, because they allowed us to be who we are. And it really blew me away when I moved to Paris and started meeting, going to hear bands. And I'm like, wow, these guys are amazing. I'm, you know, I'm hearing like African drummers, African bass players, and, and I hadn't grown up yeah. with that style or different time signatures. Uh, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So, you know, my dad took me around to meet, you know, some very famous European artists. And he's like, yeah, this is such and such. And what really blew me away is like, I just heard them perform and sing and all this. And then, but they can't talk English. <laughs> But you can uh, talk music. Right, you can talk music. And I'm like, well, you sound perfectly on this. And you can't talk. No, 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 no. I, I can't speak English. Like, How does that work? Was that a game changer moving over there? <laughs> yes, it was. It, uh, how, was how was it a game changer? It, it just expanded me as a music like I was just talking about, yeah. you know, because I, I wasn't exposed to um, the African rhythms and mm didn't realize that you could combine those styles with my style and it, there was a freedom then it the, gave you freedom to it, do it gave that. me freedom to to do do what i want and wow. to include what i want to get my message across but they didn't label me mm. there they, they don't do they that don't they, label but they you. love to do that here in the states they, don't they? They are, immediately <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a universal thing. No yeah. matter what genre of music you're playing, but you have a box and you will stay there. You will stay in that box, and and that's another thing. When I mentioned it earlier, um, that's why I don't use the title blues band. Got it. If I was titled Bernard Allison Blues Band, that would limit me hmm. to playing small bars, blues fest, just a typical blues band. And my dad's like, "Don't do it. Call yourself the Bernard Allison Group." Once again, dad to the rescue oh, and yeah. as a support. And, which, and which allowed me to be seen in front of, I can play a rock fest, I can play a soul fest, I can play a funk fest, but I'm still playing the blues how I. You're being you. I'm. That's all I, I can do. I'm not trying to be my father. I'm just going off of his notes. But and, you should. That, I mean, that's, what's that's the, what that's, he taught you. That's, You're supposed that, those to do are that. My, those are my notes, and I got a lot of them. So, but, you know, it took me years to have them not say, that's Luther's boy. Yeah. And when they did, they said, no, now I can tell the difference in his singing, his guitar playing. They're two different players. Well, for sure. But for, for the press or whomever. Right. To recognize but you still carry your father with you in your fingers, yes, in your heart, yes. in your soul, in your playing, in exactly. your songwriting, in your arranging, in your business endeavors. You'll always have him with you, but you are who you are. Exactly. And that's what I tell him all. I said, you know, I'm going to continue throwing his name on my records, doing some things live, because I'm an Alice, and I'm going to show you where it comes from. That's right. And I'm going to... I'm going to keep building as long as God give me strength to do it. I'm going to keep pushing Allison in your face. As well you should. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you moved from Paris back to Minneapolis. Why Minneapolis of all the places you can live? Well, my dad passed away in 98. We were living in, both living in Paris at the time. I had lived there 12 years. He had been there probably 18 years. And 
I was managed by Blue Sky. Mm. Mickey Mulvihill. Up the str- I love that. Right. I didn't know that. Right on top of bu- bunkers. Of course. Yes. So they felt to bring me there. It's like, come back. We was wanna- that healing for you to be, be back here? Or was that just a change of pace? What was that? Well, at first, I didn't really want to to move back. We were still a European-based band yeah. for the first couple of years. Right. But we needed to be seen in the States. We had made a lot of noise across Europe. And Blue Sky said, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to work with you here in the States and put you on tour, which they put me right away on tour with Johnny Lang. Okay. Um, so we right. opened up for Johnny on the Wander This World oh, tour. Good tour to be on. Quite a few, which also led, you know, Susan Tedeschi. Yep. I had a chance to meet, uh, like, G.B. Layton. And, oh, yeah. and the whole... The whole Blue Sky roster. Sure. So that just kind of allowed us, which Mickey had previously managed my father here. I did not know that. So everything was already in-house. Got it. They brought me in, mm-hmm. gave me his touring vehicle once he passed away, built my band, and we were on the road here in the States during the summer periods and would continue to do our normal tours across Europe. And then I decided, okay, well, I can pretty much live anywhere I want to. And I I just, I like Minnesota and I love to fish. Oh, do you? And uh, there's a lot of water. Oh, you're in the right spot for that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So when I'm not on the road, but... I'm out at a lake somewhere. Is that right? So that's what you like to do when you're yeah. when you're not playing. Yeah. Because I lived in Prior Lake right off the lake for probably four or five years. Oh, and right. So I, I know all the hot spots and <laughs> get away from the music. And, you know, just, just to get away from music, you know, doing it, touring all the time, is, it's like I grew up fishing with my dad. And yeah. that's, that's just a family thing. How do you stay in shape when you're on the road? Because I know, I mean, a lot, this podcast originally started off as talking about, talking to musicians about how they stay healthy on the road. And I still want to keep that portion of of that. How do you stay sane, you know, mentally, physically, all of that while you're on the road? Well, I play a lot of basketball on my own time. And I do daily exercises on the road. You know, you can't just play all night, eat, sleep, drink, wake yeah. up, do it over and over and over. So I, I get my exercise in, that's for sure. You know, okay. um, when I first was with Coco Taylor, the other guitar player, he said, okay, this is how I stay in shape. You know, being on the move all the time, we'd lift the end tables and <laughs> get on the bed and start <laughs> pumping iron. Whatever you got to sit in a row, right? Pull-ups yeah. and <laughs> there's oh, many great. shower curtains that came down <laughs> thinking that they could support us, you know? <laughs> So, like oh, you say, so yeah, good. it's tough, but you eat right. And me being the main singer all the time, that's the biggest thing is I got to protect my voice and to yes, be able to do. do it every night. So, we're pretty good. My management's good with taking care of all of us. That's good. On the road. We take care of each other. So, and that's what it's all about. Just because we're coming t- towards the end of the interview, I want to be good to you on your time. Talk about your Minneapolis band. Or well, mostly Minneapolis band. Well, right now I have George Moyer on bass. Whom I love. One of, I'm yeah. such a fan of his. Dr. Funk. <laughs> oh, I love him, Matt. Such a good man, too. You know, which, you know, George is, comes from the Ohio, the whole 
Cleveland area. So he grew up with the Bootsies and the Larry Grahams and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Then I have this kid on guitar, Dylan Saffer, upcoming 22-year-old 20, kind of, monster he, <laughs> guitar he's, player. He's an alien too, man. Yes. He's great. And I kind of coached him, and I promised, I told him I had met him a few years ago when he was still in school. I said, if you get your diploma and finish school, I'll take you on the road with you. you passing I, that down, man? And so I, I handed that down how yeah. I was handed it. Yeah. And I talked to his parents, and I said, now, keep them on the books. I'm very serious what I say, you know. How if you don't great. finish school, you're not you're not coming with me. Good word, man. He graduated, called me. I called him, said, "Okay, you got your passport." We went to Europe for two months, and oh my, I'm just showing him the ropes. You can be the amazing player, but if you don't know what the road's all about and expect to get the praise, being a local hero, mm-hmm. you're cheating yourself. Yeah. There's a bigger game out there. Yeah. And then we got Jose James on saxophone and percussions who I've comes from Ipto Facto. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I love Jose. Like George's been with me 12 years. Jose's been with me 12 years. Dylan now is going on his third year. Is that right? And then on this album, we use Steve Potts on the drums. Okay. Um, Jim Gaines brought in Steve Potts. So I'm in, I'm in transition right now of searching for a new drummer because I want to have a I want to have a different feel. I've had the Mario Dawson with me for a while yep. and I had Eric Ballard for a while. Right. So Well, I'm a really good drummer and I'm looking oh, <laughs> <laughs> Please let me know if you know somebody locally cuz I don't get a chance to go out. I you know, I hang out with Bean a lot, but Jelly Bean Johnson, but Oh, um, I got a couple ideas for you. We'll talk on we're we can talk, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, that's my Minneapolis connection and you know the longevity that we've been together it's also very special and you know i brought my ex-keyboard player toby marshall to come in and play on this album as oh, well great. so uh, we have our sound we have our chemistry and then we wrote the songs or they wrote the songs and presented them to me mm-hmm. and that's how highs and lows was created and that's what it's all about the highs and lows of our career and especially coming after the pandemic COVID, yeah and that first single is all about coming back out that's it so excited to be back on the road again so yeah. you know i'm backed up now almost three years of touring uh for Whoa. europe and our dates right now just are insane i'm seeing what's happening yeah but we're going to be ready for it i bet you are we want to see our fans and share what we've been doing in these three years. How can people find you? Tell, tell them where to go. For- well, you can go to my website, www.bernardallison.com. Okay. And there's links to everything. everything. <laughs> That's where I got all my information. <laughs> there, so. You know, from the Twitters to the Instagrams, the Facebooks. And are you good at that stuff? Are you, are you pretty I'm good at that? I'm getting better. I'm getting a little bit better, but I do have a team that runs, my girlfriend that actually runs all. Smart. Delegate. All of the others. I run my personal page, but yeah. I try my best to, when people write in and, you know, 
I'm always responding. I, I will take time out to reply, but as far as, you know, the Twitters and all this, yeah. I, it's just way over the top for me. So it's time consuming. I'm very you grateful, play music. grateful yeah. that we have a team and Roof Records has a team and, and um, really feel something special with this Bernard Allison project. And yeah. hopefully good things will happen for the future. Well, what an honor to meet you, man. Likewise. It, it took so long to get this happening, man. <laughs> yes, really, man. really. Now we're connected. Now we're connected. Now we're connected. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, like I say, I've been an idol. And when I first moved to Minneapolis, everybody talked about the Peterson family. And then I'm like, oh, now I know these songs. And in fact, I have friends. When you last, maybe not the last time, but before the pandemic, you did a tour across Europe. Yes. And yeah. I have some very, I always, I call my European fans, they're basically family. They yeah. Say, that, that Paul Peterson, he blew us away. I said, I told you, man, that's <laughs> Minneapolis, man. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to go back. Man, man. they're awesome. They are such and great And they, they love you. Like I say, they love the Peterson family, the Prince, the time, everything. So for me to be considered a Minnesotian, that's, oh, you're, you're, that's you're another, definitely in there, man. you know, I'm just so grateful, you know. Well, we're grateful to have you as part of the Minneapolis and community and, 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 and the stature that you have, man. All you do is bring good things to us. So, oh, man. Likewise. So thank you likewise. for that, man. Just keep, Big doing, love what, to keep you. doing what you're Big doing. Big love to you. And uh, stay healthy, stay safe right. on the road. Mr. Bernard Allison. Thank That's you, guys. It for episode 56 of Music on the Run. Hey, go to the website. You might actually be able to get the T-shirt. In fact, I'm going to give this one to my friend. My new friend, Bernard, right here. And right if that's on. not your size, we'll figure it out. That's I, for you, I, I my friend. I definitely represent. <laughs> you got to represent. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And take that mug home, too. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you in one month. We're out. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson. Edited and produced by my buddy, Davide Razo. Video editing by Emily Turner. Social media by Mary Beth Stevens. And a very special thanks to the people who financially support this podcast. And remember, the blues will never die.